0: This is Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, we are so glad that you are here once again to listen to this thing we call a podcast got a lot of positive and i appreciate all the feedback as always uh got a lot of positive feedback about scott hall and his uh discussion that we had with him last week uh if you enjoyed it uh please spread the word and it's still available as are all the episodes of city rank to download at your convenience and uh as i as i had mentioned uh during the the podcast uh uh, when Scott is, is right, he's one of the smartest guys in the business. I got, uh, some people, uh, with feedback about how not only do, did they hear a lot about, uh, wrestling, the wrestling business, but a lot, a lot about life and life lessons in that, in that interview. And, and like I said, Scott's uh, one of the smartest guys and, um, so glad that he was able to, uh, stop by this little podcast and, uh, and that so many of you got to enjoy it. So if uh, you do not follow me and you want to participate and send feedback, uh, please be sure to uh, hit me up on Twitter at David Penzer. The show is at Penzer Ringside. And uh, so as you remember last week uh, at the end of the podcast, uh, me and my producer, Jerry P. I was trying to figure out how to top that interview with Scott Hall. And... Do, do I just drop the mic? Do I end the podcast? No, I'm not going to end the podcast. I'm having fun. Uh, so I went back and I started thinking, how do I top Scott Hall? How do I top Scott Hall? I'm looking through my phone. How do I top Scott Hall? So there was one person, at, two people, and uh, one is Roddy Piper, who's passed, and this other person who... Were my absolute two favorite wrestlers growing up, and and as a fan, uh, I think something that I don't know if a lot of people realize that when people who are fans of the business get in the business, uh, that they, they, they don't stop being fans. Uh, they're just they're just lucky enough to be able to go back to the dressing room afterwards, or go back to the bar with the guys, and or drive uh, from Juggalo champ the gathering of the Juggalos to a hotel. Uh, like I did with Roddy and, 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 and my guest this week, uh, and, 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 and be able to chat. We, we, people who are in the business have certain advantages, obviously, but, uh, but but doesn't mean we're not fans. So I've appreciated everything that those guys have done, Roddy and, and, and this man has done, uh, from being a kid and watching his legendary feuds with uh, Dusty Rhodes, Jack Briscoe, and, and uh, Jerry Lawler, and so many others to uh, go into WWF and, uh, and then just being uh, the heart and soul of ECW, a great angle with WCW against Ric Flair. And uh, he was around towards the end with Bunkhouse Buck and Colonel Rob Parker. Uh, So how do you top Scott Hall? Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on city ringside is the one and only former heavyweight champion of the world. He is a, Hall of Famer in many halls and uh, my favorite wrestler of all time. I am honored uh, in just a few minutes to bring out Terry. How do you top Scott Hall? Terry and Funk is what I put on Twitter. And now the question is, how do I top Terry Funk? Uh, I don't, uh, I can't, I won't uh, I refuse to. Uh, so uh, we will, I assure you, we will have a great guest next week, but, uh, uh, I cannot keep topping myself. Uh, it is uh, impossible, unfortunately. But I'm honored that uh, to have the chance to talk with Terry. And uh, uh, Terry is the kind of guy who, and I think he'll admit it in the interview, Terry's the kind of guy who, you know, it's funny. I went and saw uh, what was supposed to be the final Leonard Skinner show uh, at Jacksonville at the, the baseball, the football stadium out there uh, during Labor Day weekend. And it was supposed to be the final show. And then, of course, uh, they decided they were going to keep doing shows, uh, uh, limited shows, moving forward. uh, I actually saw it. It was Jerry. You'll get a kick out of this. I saw on Facebook yesterday. Kiss's final farewell tour. God, I could swear Kiss's final farewell tour was like 20 years ago. So. Running joke is on me that I spent $120 up ticket per ticket to go see Skinner's quote-unquote final show at the Jacksonville uh, uh, Jaguars Stadium. But um, I read an article, and one of the reasons that they were winding things down is because the last original member, unless you count Ricky Medlock, who had a cup of coffee with them at the very beginning uh, as a drummer, believe it or not, before moving on to Blackfoot and then coming back to Skinner's Towards the end, um, the only remaining uh, original member, uh, Gary Rossington, has had significant health issues, and he's had heart attacks on stage. He has to take glycerin pills. I, I wasn't, and I, have gotten to know the guys, in Leonard Skinner, over the years. Uh, I've been lucky. They're huge wrestling fans, and, um, and there was a time where I, uh, would, where I was able to offer them access to. Uh, guys like Goldberg and, and Flair and, and people that there were heroes. And of course the guys in Skynyrd were heroes to so many of us. So I got to know him. Um, I still text back and forth with Ricky Medlock uh, to this day. And uh, uh, so met those guys a lot. I'm not going to say I'm buddies with them, uh, but uh, got to hang out with them in their dressing room a lot and their tour bus a couple times. And, so, and Gary, Gary Rossington was one of the nicest guys in the world. And, um, and, and he was going to retire from the band because he had health issues. And as he contemplated retirement and contemplated that last show in Jacksonville, I guess he decided that it really wasn't going to be over until he was, was no longer here on this earth. That he wanted, if, if he went out playing Freebird uh, or Sweet Home Alabama, then so be it. But he was going to keep going, uh, albeit take, you know, it's slower. Uh, not tour, you know, five months straight, but just tour, you know, a uh, couple weekends a month. And so I guess that's what Skinner's going to do. And not sure what Kiss is going to do, but uh, we'll find out soon. Cause, uh, and then I saw Cher is coming back. And I could swear Cher did her farewell tour because uh, I went to it probably 15 years ago when I first moved to Tampa. So it's it the, the ribs on me. My point is a guy like Terry Funk, uh, loves this business so much, is consumed by this business so much that, uh, I, I believe, and, and I'll ask him towards the end, but I believe that, uh, that if he, his last move in life is a moonsault off the top rope, uh, and that's the way that, that it was his time to go out. I honestly believe that he would he would think that was funny as hell, and he would get a chuckle out of that. Uh, that's what kind of guy he is. So you know, the, the rib is how many times is Terry Funk gonna retire? Well, I'll ask him at the end of this interview if this, if he's finally retired. Uh, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, wouldn't be surprised if I saw him in a ring a year or two from now uh, on an indie show. Uh, just because he loves it so much. And uh, and he puts his passion and his heart and soul into this business, whether it's exploding barbed wire glass, crazy matches uh, or uh, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, six man tag team match with the rock and roll express against Jerry Lawler and a couple of partners on an indie show, which was, I believe his the last match that he has had, which was about a year ago. And he did. Yes. He did a moonsault in that match. Uh, with the rock and roll express and Lawler. And then, so uh, I, as I said, uh, totally honored. Uh, We, I have limited time for this interview. So uh, I'm going to try to ask the question. I wrote pages of questions and I'm going to try to ask the ones that I think are uh, the most interesting ones that I want to hear. And that I think that you'd want to hear. And we hope you enjoy this interview uh, with the one and only legendary, my favorite wrestler, ladies and gentlemen, Let's get ready. It's Terry Funk time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, I am honored and I am use that word modestly to be joined by the former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Wrestling Hall of Famer and my all time favorite wrestler. Yes, that is true. Please welcome Terry Funk. Terry, how are you, sir?
1: Boy, you are trying to get over with me by calling me your
0: all-time <laughs> favorite wrestler. You know that Holy I...
1: Holy mackerel.
0: You know that you I are. I know,
1: and, and you knew the best, didn't you?
0: Yeah, you and, uh, you and Roddy Piper... I mean, grow- don't
1: go or uh, Roddy, Piper, Roddy so Piper. You and Roddy Piper that's growing a good one. up.
0: one. And then, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I got to... to uh, I'm more famous than Roddy Piper <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't. All, right, all I, don't, right. I don't know if you remember. And Roddy was a good one. Let me tell yeah. you. Do you remember the drive back from the gathering of the Juggalos at about four o'clock in the morning with me and, you and Roddy? Yeah, it was a horrible drive. Yeah, it was. But <laughs> but but I, but I had it was. I had a little vodka though to take the edge off. So, uh, but. That wasn't bad, was it? No, my, my, the, 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 12- <laughs> company wasn't bad either, was it? <laughs> no, the 12 year old Mark in me is going, all right, I could die now. You know, I, I, I'm hanging in the car with Terry fuck and Roddy Piper. Roddy didn't drink, but I think you partook. And, and then of course my wife said, um, Whatever you do, go have breakfast and don't fall asleep. I said, I'm just going to take a one hour nap. And five hours later, I missed my flight. The only time I ever missed a flight in my life. But uh,
1: <laughs> Anyway. Piper, Piper was a wonderful, wonderful entertainer.
0: Yes, he was.
1: And he loved to entertain 24 hours a day.
0: Yes, he did, as do you, he was sir. Just, what a character. So, and what a guy. So I know we have limited time, and so I'm just going to dive right into it. Uh, 1970s, favorite territory and why?
1: 1970s, favorite territory and why? St. Louis, Missouri. Absolutely, St. Louis, Missouri. That That was the town to be in. That was Sam Mushnick's town. And it was the best town in the United States. It was better than New York and the Madison Square Gardens at that time. Uh, Prestige-wise, it was. The NWA was the number one organization in the country. And it was truly a great organization that did try to help the image of wrestling.
0: Some of the other territories that you worked in, uh... Georgia, I remember watching you. Florida, uh, uh, you work basically all around your dad's your your dad's territory as well. Um, when you were uh, in in you had feuds in those territory days, uh, classic feuds with guys like Jack Briscoe, Jerry the King Lawler, Dusty Rhodes, to name a few. Who's your favorite opponent from that era? I love all of those guys. I love being in the ring with them. They were great in-ring performers.
1: Jack Briscoe, how could you top him as a uh, great in, uh, in that era? You couldn't. A great athlete, great performer. And uh, when you went to wrestle Jack, you knew you were going to make money. Uh, just right on down the road, Harley Race. That was another one that you made money with, you know, uh, just go from territory to territory. Piper, go to California and wrestle Piper. What could be better than that? You know, and uh, we were talking about selling out night after night after night. You know, and just sell out after sell out and get on a plane and go to another territory. And there were 18, I believe it was 18 such territories at that time throughout the United States. Uh, did I like it better than the New York era? Yeah, I really I really think that wrestling was much better then than it is now. And I think that you had a lot more wrestlers that were making a good living. and uh, they were performing, performing throughout the country. And that's uh, that's a wonderful thing about the business at that time. Is, uh, each one of those guys had the opportunity to be on top, to be in a main event. And there were main event wrestlers all over the country, and there is now. I'm telling you, there is now. There's a lot of great guys out there that uh, haven't been seen on New York TV that certainly should have an opportunity. I think they're going to get a better opportunity, I think, the stronger that Polly dangerously gets in a New York office, the more uh, the more it's going to be uh, opening up to talent and having more talent shown on television.
0: I, I agree with you. They're starting to. There's a kid named Ricochet. I don't know if you're familiar with him, who I think is uh, potentially the next big uh, big deal. And he's a uh, he's he's an NXT. He's an NXT, and uh, uh, will be called up at some point. You'd assume to the main roster. And I was thrilled that they that they brought him in, and uh, that they let him keep his gimmick. And uh, and and so there's there's more of those type of guys out there, and they're starting to find their way into WWE and NXT.
1: That is it's amazing the amount of guys that are out there.
0: Let's talk about Dusty Rhodes. You guys had some magic chemistry. I mean, amazing chemistry. And, and not only was it like lightning in a bottle for a run. You guys did this for uh, 30 years, 40 years on and off. What was it about uh, Dusty and you that just worked so well together?
1: Well, I know what it was about Dusty. I'm not sure about me, but I'll tell you about Dusty right now. Dusty was phenomenal. Talent. Uh, Dusty drew money from the day he got in the profession. He was a natural at it. He was, he was great, you know. And uh, I played ball with him at West Texas, and he used to come up. He was two years behind me, and he would uh, come to the wrestling matches every Thursday night with Dick Murray. And they'd both watch them. at that time, but they sure wanted to be. And uh, Dusty said to me one night, you know, after dinner, he says, day, day, day. I sure would like to be uh, a member of uh, of a wrestling organization in the country." I said, ah, maybe someday, Dusty, but not now." But <laughs> 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 I knew he was going to get in some way. He loved the business, and he always did. And he was a great, great, great in-ring performer, a great manipulator taught by Eddie Graham. And uh, that was just a a wonderful duo
0: there. Yeah, uh, you guys had some magic, that's for sure, and it never went away. God bless him. Well, they had the magic. They had... They had that magic too. Whenever I
1: left, the magic stayed there in that Tampa, Florida ring. Sure, I'll tell you
0: that. Hey, was was it a conscious decision starting out to have a different, somewhat wilder style than your older brother, uh, or was it just your personalities playing out as as your styles?
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent personality. Yeah my uh, my brother was uh, my brother and myself had two. Completely different styles in the ring, you know, and uh, uh, I was probably quite nuts, uh, <laughs> what a lot of the fans would think, and uh, and he was uh, really uh, a true a true representation of what should be the NWA World's Champion. At least I thought he was. Uh, if you look at him and you look at. Uh, uh, Luthez, you look at Pat O'Connor, you look at Dick Hutton, you look at you look at all of those guys that were champions, and they were all wonderful champions. Each and every one of them were, and they were wonderful in-ring performers. Also, including Harley Race and Jack Briscoe. My God, what great talent that was in-ring.
0: Absolutely
1: in-ring. Uh, you know, as uh, back then it was a, it was a different world. You'd, go, you'd drive into a town, you'd pull up there and, and uh, go to your dressing room. Uh, maybe never have met your opponent before and step into the ring with him and wrestle him for 60 minutes. You know, and uh, have the crowd standing on their feet when it was over
0: yeah it was amazing for sure uh you know you could you know you could go back it's
1: it was amazing form of entertainment is what it was
0: yes sir how did you find out that you were possibly in line to be the nwa world heavyweight champion as you said your style was a lot different
1: well i didn't really uh really didn't know you know it's uh it's uh, what the uh, National Wrestling Alliance felt in those days, you know, and felt that uh, who who was a great performer, and they wanted a great performer in the ring, and and uh, I don't, I maybe maybe they picked the wrong guy. They got a good, not not so great performer, but anyhow, as uh now they, uh, chose me among the rest in the country at that time. And, uh, it was a wonderful honor and a terrific, uh, position to be in, you know. As a, but, but you wrestled three, I wrestled 310 days that year. That's a lot of times, you know. Absolutely. That I was champion. Yeah, and, uh, I think I missed one date, I'm not even sure on that, if I missed one, but uh, it was it a was, it was great, great way to live your life, and it was a great way to make a, a great living at that time, you know. A lot of hard work, but it was uh, a great living.
0: Folks, we talked earlier about farewell concerts, and there's a lot of them out there. Also, NFL football is in full blast. College football is going wild. And there are so many great wrestling shows out there, not to mention in 2019, the big New Japan Super Show with Bring of Honor at Madison Square Garden already sold out. And if you want seats to all or any of those events, Vivid Seats is the place to go. It's an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience And hey, to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats to save even more money. How could you not take an opportunity like that? Simply go to the App Store, Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app like I have, and use promo code INFLUENCE, I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E, INFLUENCE, for 10% off. Your first purchase with Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest farewell concerts, the hottest football rivalries, and the wrestling shows that you don't want to miss. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Visit Vivid Seats today. Well, I would say not only did they have one of the best champions in the ring, but one of the best promo guys of all times, Do, um, what, when you were doing your promos throughout your career, uh, did you put a lot of thought into them, or were they it just something that you had the ability to roll off the top of your uh, uh, head and roll off your tongue?
1: Combination. Combination of thought, uh, constantly thinking on the, on the road, uh, by myself a lot, uh, thinking, and... Uh, you know, it was just thinking about it uh, an entire amount and then just uh, being able to come up with that stuff, you know. And uh, you've got to remember that I was uh, educated in promos from the, before the time I was wrestling because I'd go watch the guys do promos when I was 10 years old. You know, absolutely. So there was, uh, there was really great promo guys. Uh, Mike DiBiase, he was a wonderful one. You know, some of the guys were just great, tremendous at it. My father was tremendous at it because they were natural, they were their selves, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, You were, uh, you got to say, you were way before your time. Could you imagine if there was uh, Dusty Roses and Egg-Sucking-Dog t-shirts on uh, WWE.com in the middle of uh, the highlight of your feud? You'd be a, you'd be. Yeah, well,
1: I would be, I'd be a rich man.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Now now I'm broke. I'm broke. No, I'm not. No, I'm not.
0: Was there ever a doubt growing up that you and your brother were going to be in the wrestling business?
1: Not really. Not really. I don't. There wasn't a doubt in his mind, and there wasn't a doubt in my mind. Is just always love the business, you know. And uh, whenever I was a little kid, is uh, I didn't want to grow up to be cowboys and Indians, you know, hop along Cassidy. I wanted to grow up to be Dory Funk.
0: Wow. So. In in addition to all the amazing things that you accomplished in the 60s, 70s, early 80s in in the States as world champion and all the different territories, you also were a a, a legend and a huge star along with your brother in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Tell me about working uh, for Giant Baba and the difference of the styles uh, back in the day.
1: Well, uh, the Japanese style was very much... uh, um, a wonderful wrestling style. Wrestling was what they wanted, and uh, that's uh, they came around the United States looking for a place to uh, to join hands with or and help them out over there. And just so happened they came to our place, along with so many others. You know, everybody was one want, wanting that occupation at that time you know and uh, it came to us and it came to us because we had believe it or not Amarillo, Texas produced the best wrestling in the country at that time you know it, and and that's the God's honest truth there were guys out of here uh, Merced Solis uh, uh, all of them you know you you can't even begin to name the number of guys that came from Amarillo, Texas.
0: Yeah, we've had JJ Dillon on this show a couple times and uh, he talks very, very fondly about uh, really, you know, learning the business uh, in, in in that territory and you know, both from behind the scenes. He'll tell
1: you the same thing, and it was he has. it was not it was not Amarillo, Texas. Amarillo, Texas was the head of the country. It wasn't New York at that time. It was Amarillo. And that's what it was. It was Amarillo was the uh, creator of, of almost everything at that time. Uh, and uh, am I happy with the way it wound up? No. Should Vince be happy? You're damn right he should. You know, that's the way I look at it.
0: So I've been dying to ask you this question, uh, and I'm not going to let this opportunity pass without asking it. You were a former NWA champion. You were a legend all over the world. You were in movies and television shows. What in God's green earth, as Harley Race would say, made you want to go back to Japan to do the King of the Death match stuff with the no-rope, barbed wire, explosions. Was that just a challenge? Was it... Uh, were you, were, uh, well,
1: I wanted, uh, you know, as, uh, how did I leave Japan? As, uh, did I left leave it on my own? Kind of. Uh, did they... Uh, you know, I, I wanted... Was it a challenge? I wanted to... Not go out uh, under somebody else's control, if that makes sense no, to
0: you. Understood, understood, 100%. Uh, yeah. Were you ever nervous with, uh, you know, the explosions and all that? Were they controlled enough to where, the, I mean, the tape looks horrifying. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it, con- it is.
1: <laughs> it was horrifying. Was there ever
0: a moment that it was you... was absolutely nuts. <laughs> was there ever a moment that you're out there going, you know, getting nervous, going, what the heck am I getting myself into? Many.
1: <laughs> Many. Many, seriously, you know. And, uh, it was just something that you did. And... Uh, you know, whenever you're when you're nuts, you're nuts. And that's uh, pretty much what I am, is I am pretty much want to produce the best product in the country. If I'm out there competing with it, I want my product to be the best. Whether it's ECW, whether it's uh, J- Japan Wrestling, whether it's anything, if I'm Headed down to Mexico, or it makes no matter where I am, or what I'm doing. If I, I want to be the best match on the card, even at this day and age. You what? know, I attempt to, I attempt to, to be as good as the fans have seen, and I still goddamn well do it. At least I think I do.
0: I think you do too. What? You mentioned ECW. What made you want to help put ECW on the map? Because you really took them under your... kind of put them on your shoulders and ran.
1: Well, we... Uh, what made it? Because I wanted something that would suit my... Uh, my career at that time. Because I was quite heavily involved in, in television, trying to get... Uh, I was getting my years... In for my retirement, and uh, I was doing uh, shows out in California whenever I started with ECW, you know, and uh, not wrestling shows either. You know, and uh, started with ECW and Paul E., and we just fit together. That's all. Paul E. Dangerously is running New York now. Nobody else is. There's a scoop. And, well, that's it. That's it. Paulie's running it. Not, uh... uh, Of course, Vince owns it. Vince has it. Vince has a final say. But, uh... Paulie comes up with manipulation. Paulie doesn't own the damn thing, and he's not gonna own it either. (laughs) But... But he's, he's damn sure a major help with what they're doing.
0: I want to go back to my favorite angle that you were ever in that I ever saw, which was um, with Ric Flair in 1989, 1990. It was actually right before I ended up coming around WCW. And uh, uh, you were one of the judges in uh, him and Ricky. He won the title back from Ricky Steamboat. They had three legends as judges and it turned it into an angle where you went on to feud with Rick. Uh, tell me about that, about, uh, you know, who came up with that, and, and, and if it was fun for you to finally be unleashed again on a national television basis.
1: Yeah, it was very, very short and very limited uh, because of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got... I ha- I have a question. I'd be remiss in asking. We had Ricky Steamboat on the, on on this podcast, and he mentioned that that uh, nobody ever smartened him up to that angle, uh, and he doesn't know to this day why they wouldn't have told him. Do you remember if it was a conscious decision not to tell anybody, or if it was just something uh, that, that uh, escaped people? You know, do you, do you remember that at all? What what was the
1: what was the, what was it that they did?
0: Well, when you attack Flair at the end of that match after he uh, he won the title back for yeah. Steamboat, they, Steamboat said he was lying in the ring, and he, right. he had no idea that any of that was happening. And, and I'm just wondering if you remember why. Did they try to keep it, you know, keep it from the boys or?
1: Well, they, <laughs> who, in, who in the hell knows? I don't know. Myself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who is running that show myself. I don't know. Which guy was in charge?
0: Oh, there were so many <laughs> of
1: them. Isn't that the truth? That's what I was fixing to say. That was uh, chaos from the word go. Yeah. Total chaos.
0: Yeah, one one week it was Ole. The next week it was Rick. The next week it was Dusty. The next week it was Jim Hurd. The next week it was somebody else. It was crazy.
1: Well, that- you know, as they, uh, they really as they didn't give... They didn't give the whole thing to Dusty, you know. They, they wouldn't give it to anybody. They kept their hands in it
0: too. Yeah, no, I, you know, I understand. I was there. Do you, you follow know? what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, I was there. I yeah. was just a, I was just a, a stooge back then. But well, I'm still a stooge. But I, I was a real stooge, total stooge back then. And uh, but even I could see that, you know, that they weren't letting anybody really uh, do what they wanted to do. Hey, um. We, we talk a lot on this podcast about WCW and and you know the Nitro era and the end of WCW going out of business because I was obviously a, a part of that. Uh, you wrestled towards the end of and of, with with Russo there and 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 Eric there uh, in the in the waning yeah, years. Yeah, they were idiots. They were <laughs> idiots. They're still
1: idiots. They were fools. And. uh
0: Still are, I'm sure. I don't know what they're doing. My question was, could you tell the end was near? I think you answered that. So you kind of, you you kind of knew that uh, the end was, was near. And, uh, <laughs> they, it,
1: it it never it never was anything but near from the day they took over. It was <laughs> they uh, were an amazing duo. <laughs> They knew how to kill
0: things. I wish you'd have told me so. I'd have saved some money because I I, I didn't know as much. Speaking of of telling me, I don't know. I'm sure you don't remember this, but um, just a little uh, story. Uh, We were at the Jacksonville Coliseum. You were headlining against Sting. I was the ring announcer, and I was real new as ring announcer. Uh, I was just doing the house shows. I don't even know that I was on TV yet. And if you remember the Jacksonville Coliseum, there was uh, the, the building, and then you you went towards the dressing room, but there was, like, sort of a common area before you got to the actual dressing rooms. And you chased me at the end of the match. Uh, you chased me through the, out the arena because you were angry, you know, the, your character was angry that I announced that you had lost, and... Um, and when we got to the sort of. You better of co- be glad I didn't catch you. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. When you got, when we got to like the sort of common area where the fans in the building couldn't see anymore, but you know, backstage workers could be there. It wasn't like we you actually dressed. I turned around and sort of shook your hand like I was in on the joke and you kept going. And I, and I, I thought at that point I thought you were serious. And so I ran to the locker room. I don't know why, because you would have cornered me in there, but. You, 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 when we finally got in the actual locker room, you, I would have
1: cornered you there. I wanted to
0: corner you. <laughs> when we finally got I in, I wanted the, to get my hands on you. <laughs> when we finally got in the actual locker room, and I thought that you were going to that you were really hot at that point, uh, you you smiled at me and you said, "Don't ever stop in the middle. Uh, you, you run until you get to where it's only us." And uh, it taught me a lesson. Uh, you know, in my four four yeah. years, so I, I appreciate that, and that that's your whole career. Really, is is, is is it's always you're always on, no matter where it is, no matter if you're twenty or fifty, or if you're in front of a hundred people or ten thousand people. Um, let's uh, I'm going to f- wrap this up Sue, because I know that uh, your time is valuable, and I don't want to take too much of it. What was your favorite movie to be a part of?
1: Well, as um, I don't know, as I had a series that I did as Wild Child on television.
0: Right. Was that was that uh, your favorite experience in, in Hollywood?
1: No, I had fifteen years of them. You know, I had fifteen years of experience out there. You got to get fifteen years in before you retire. So I got my fifteen years in.
0: Absolutely. I know, um, uh, Roadhouse was one of my favorite, uh, how, how is, how is making a movie different? I mean, obviously we know, but how to you, how is making them, you go about your life to where you always work your hardest, uh, no matter, like I said, if it's in front of a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people, uh, how, how is it different in the making a movie or a television series as far as, uh, uh, how that goes is, is it hard for, was it hard for you to kind of do take one, take two take three, take four because you always put so much into it?
1: Well, you know as I, I always tried for a take one <laughs> and if I, if I would have got up there four or five I would have been in trouble. <laughs> so I always tried for take one. Take two, three, and four. I didn't want any part
0: of it. I totally understand knowing your personality. Hey, uh, you had several runs with WWF. Uh, you were, I guess, there were some highs and some lows. You were a part of WrestleMania, um, you were in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, tell me about your experiences back in the day when Vince was just uh, taking, taking off in uh, 85, 86
1: just uh all good experiences uh just you know you say experiences uh, what do you mean by experiences
0: well you you didn't you didn't stay for 10 years like coke did or, or savage did uh, so i was just wondering if uh if, if there was something about if you just the travel was too much or uh you didn't like the style or uh or, or it was Vince just,
1: was too much
0: vince was too and why is that
1: why is that? you know as I say that, but uh, he really wasn't too much. Uh, no part of it. It was a long way from my home. Uh, couldn't get there whenever I wanted to. have had a wonderful family at that time. They were going to school. Uh, that's uh, the main part of it you know is it's uh, no fun being on the road.
0: Yeah, especially. You know,
1: as, uh, and that's the truth, is uh, at that time it was a very, uh, very rough thing to do. It, it would not be there uh, four days, home two, anything else, you know. And uh, the boys back then were from all over the country. They are now. But they uh, all of them seemed to center up on the East Coast you know, and, uh, they can do it and, uh, and withstand it so much easier, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it's for me at least personally. Now I wasn't taking the abuse on my body like you guys were, but for me, the travel got, got harder as I got older. I don't know if that happened to you. Like when I was 25, 26 years old, I would go out for, you know, uh, I'd go out for a week and ten days, and I'd be home, and I'd say, "When are we going back out?" And as I got older, it'd be like, "Oh, geez, now I got to go back out again." So, uh, did you just hit that point in your life back then that you just uh, you'd had enough, I guess, huh?
1: No, as I had a, I had a. Uh, if you want to know the exact way it was, is I had a family at home, I had kids in school, I was. Off on the road, uh, gone for days and sometimes weeks at a time, and there's no money that can handle that for me.
0: Yeah, I respect that. So at one
1: time, you've got to say, sometime or another, you've got to say, I've got enough, or I don't want this anymore, or I don't mean it because you don't love it, because I love the in-ring performance, and always have.
0: I'm going to wrap things up, Terry, and I appreciate your time. Uh, how, how do you want the fans to remember you? Uh, I know how I remember you, and I know how other fans of yours, uh, in and out of the business, talk about you. But in the mind of Terry Funk, when somebody talks about you uh, tomorrow or, or a year from now or a decade from now, uh, how do you want them to remember you?
1: With respect.
0: And I believe, sir, with those two words, you've earned so many people's respect. Uh, and uh, uh, I can tell you that. I know that for a fact. And um, I, I thank you so much for you to take the time out of your retirement to uh, to come on and chat with us for a little bit. It means the world to me. And uh, if you ever want to come back and tell stories, we're always here. But uh, I, you really are retired this time, right? Well, I think so. All right. Uh, Now, how come in two years I'm going to hear a story about uh, Terry Terry Funk doing a moonsault in a six-man tag team match somewhere? (laughs) I hope. I hope you do. You hope I do? I love it. I hope you do. You Terry as I said you're my favorite wrestler and, and you're one of my favorite people in the world. Thank you so much for your time. I don't I can't I, I can't show you enough respect and and uh and 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 uh, for for what you've done and for the fact that you're taking time out to to be on this podcast. So best best uh in your future, best with your family and uh, let's stay in touch Terry, please. Okay, you take care. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And like I predicted, uh, I said I wouldn't be surprised in two years if you were doing Moonsault uh, at an indie show. And his response, if you missed it, was, I hope that's the case. There go my comparison, my analogy with Gary Rossington of Leonard Skinner. Uh, Some people, uh, they they, they don't want to sit home. They want to go out doing what they've done. And I understand that, and I respect that, and I wish Terry and Gary Rossington, for that matter, uh, absolutely nothing but the best. Uh, hope you enjoyed that uh, chat with Terry Funk. I know I did. Uh, he cracks me up, and he's nothing if not honest, uh, sometimes brutally, and uh, I appreciate him for his honesty, for sure. And uh, just uh, like I always say, if you like what uh, we're doing here, uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at David Penzer. The show is at Penzer Ringside. Uh, I'd love to interact on Twitter, especially in the evening. So uh, be sure to uh, hit me up if you have any questions, if you want to chat about the show. Uh, if you uh, have any feedback on any of the shows that we do, uh, be sure to uh, to let me know. And uh, I take that stuff to heart. And And most importantly, folks, if you like what we're doing, in addition to spreading the word, telling other people about it, and subscribing, be sure to support our sponsors. Uh Vivid Seats uh is a great uh company as we've talked about. And uh if you have an opportunity where you need uh tickets to any events, sporting events, wrestling events, concerts, uh Broadway shows, no matter what it is. If you need tickets, be sure to check out Vivid Seats. You get ten percent discount if you're a first time user with the keyword influence So if you want to help support us, that is a great way to do it. And all of our sponsors uh, throughout uh, the year, we appreciate them so much. Until next week, this is David Penzer. I'm still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence.